0: As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that, and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 552 This generation is drowning in dopamine, and it's not good. Today on the show, I want to read an article that I read last week in the Wall Street Journal. It's by Dr. Lemke, and that's L-E-M-B-K-E, and she's a psychiatrist and professor at Stanford University. And this, this essay that I'm going to read you is adapted from her new book, Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence. And it's going to be published. It was published, actually, just last week on August the 24th. So the title of the article is Digital Addictions Are Drowning Us in Dopamine. And I'm going to read this to you because I think every parent needs to needs to listen to this. And I'm going to put a link to this. Actually, I can't put a link to it, but it's in the Wall Street Journal. If you Google it, you will find it because I've had to copy it from the newspaper and put it into a Word document. But... So I'm not going to share that for copyright uh, reasons, but if you want to get hold of it, Google the title, Google the lady, and you will get, you'll, you'll be able to find it online. So it goes like this, rising rates of depression and anxiety in wealthy countries like the US may be a result of our brains getting hooked on the neurotransmitter associated with pleasure. A patient of mine, a bright and thoughtful young man in his early 20s, came to see me for debilitating anxiety and depression. He had dropped out of college and was living with his parents. He was vaguely contemplating suicide. He was also playing video games most of every day and late into every night. 20 years ago, the first thing I would have done for a patient like this was prescribe an antidepressant. Today, I recommend something altogether different. A dopamine fast. I suggested that he abstain from all screens, including video games, for one month. Over the course of my career as a psychiatrist, I've seen more and more patients who suffer from depression and anxiety, including otherwise healthy young people with loving families, elite education and relative wealth. Their problem isn't trauma, social dislocation or poverty. It's too much dopamine, a chemical produced in the brain, that functions as a neurotransmitter associated with feelings of pleasure and reward. Pleasure and pain are processed in the same parts of the brain, and the brain tries hard to keep them in balance. When we do something we enjoy, like playing video games for my patient, the brain releases a little bit of dopamine and we feel good. But one of the most important discoveries in the field of neuroscience in the past 75 years is that pleasure and pain are processed in the same parts of the brain, and that the brain tries hard to keep them in balance whenever it tips in one direction it will try hard to restore the balance which neuroscientists call homeostasis by tipping it in the other direction as soon as dopamine is released the brain adapts to it by reducing or downregulating the number of dopamine receptors that are stimulated this causes the brain to level out by tipping to the side of pain which is why pleasure is usually followed by a feeling of hangover or come down. If we can wait long enough, that feeling passes and neutrality is restored. But there's a natural tendency to counteract it by going back to the source of pleasure for another dose. If we keep up this pattern for hours every day over weeks and months, the brain's set point for pleasure changes. Now we need to keep playing games, not to feel pleasure, but just to feel normal. As soon as we stop, we experience the universal symptoms of withdrawal from any addictive substance, anxiety, irritability, insomnia, dysphoria, and mental preoccupation with using otherwise known as craving. Our brains have evolved this fine-tuned balance over millions of years in which pleasures were scarce and dangers ever present. The problem today is that we no longer live in that world. Instead, we now live in a world of overwhelming abundance. The quantity, variety and potency of highly reinforcing drugs and behaviours has never been greater. In addition to addictive substances like sugar and opioids, there is also a whole new class of electronic addictions that didn't exist until about 20 years ago. Texting, tweeting, surfing the web, online shopping and gambling. These digital products are engineered to be addictive, using flashing lights, celebratory sounds and likes to promise ever greater rewards just a click away. Yet despite despite increased access to all these feel-good drugs, we're more miserable than ever before. Rates of depression, anxiety, physical pain and suicide are increasing all over the world, especially in rich nations. According to the World Happiness Report, which ranks 150 countries by how happy their citizens perceive themselves to be, Americans reported feeling less happy in 2018 than they were in 2008. Other wealthy countries saw a similar decrease in self-reported happiness scores, including Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Japan, New Zealand, and Italy. The Global Burden of Disease Study found that the number of new cases of depression worldwide increased 50% between 1990 and 2017, with the highest increases in regions with the highest income, especially in North America. It's hard to see cause and effect when we're chasing dopamine. It's only after we've taken a break from our drug of choice that we're able to see the true impact of our consumption on our lives. That's why I asked my patient to give up video games for a month, enough time to allow his brain to reset its dopamine balance. It wasn't easy, but he was motivated by the counterintuitive idea that abstaining from the thing that made him feel good in the short term might actually make him feel better in the long term. To his surprise, he did feel better than he had in years, with less anxiety and less depression. He was even able to return to playing video games without negative effects, by strictly limiting his playing time to no more than two days a week for two hours a day. That way he left enough time in between sessions for the brain's dopamine balance to be restored. He avoided video games that were too potent, the ones he couldn't stop playing once he'd started. He designated one laptop for gaming and a different one for school to keep gaming and classwork physically separated. Finally, he committed to playing only with friends, never with strangers, so that gaming strengthened his social connections. Human connection itself is a potent and adaptive source of dopamine. Not everyone plays video games, but just about all of us have a digital drug of choice, and it probably involves using a smartphone, the equivalent of the hypodermic needle for a wired generation. Reducing phone use is notoriously difficult, because at first it causes the brain's pleasure-pain balance to tilt to the side of pain, making us feel restless and cranky. But if we can keep it up for long enough, the benefits of a healthier dopamine balance are worth it. Our minds are less preoccupied with craving and we are more able to be present in the moment and life's little unexpected joys are rewarding again. So let me just stress that this is a copyrighted article for the Dow Jones and Company, And she is a psychiatrist and professor at Stanford University. I think this piece of writing is absolutely brilliant. And she actually gives practical, tangible things that we can do with our kids if we find or think that they might be addicted to the dopamine. Well, we all know they are. But how can we help them reset that dopamine balance? This helped me understand things to another level altogether. And you know, I think for kids, for parents, we think, oh my goodness, am I really going to have to buy two laptops? But a second laptop, especially a basic one that just has, you know, Google Documents on it, basically, is cheap compared to what you might have to spend in counseling, in, you know, tech rehab, whatever it might be, and cheap in comparison to the damage that we are doing to the relationship that we have with our kids through actually not being able to help them manage their media diet that's priceless to me so as much as she says you know he had two laptops one for school one for pleasure that's a pretty relatively cheap option for for what it might for the the um all the good that it might bring And you might say, yes, well, okay, he'll have two laptops, one for work and one for play, but he's still got his phone. We have to help them manage their phones. They can't have two phones as well. But, you know, once we can start getting them restricted in their their gaming um, and reducing that dopamine, this guy went from every day, all day, every night, all night, to two hours twice a week, and he could manage it. Because there was enough time in between his gaming sessions for his whole system to reset that dopamine balance. This is key. Our kids are not getting the time in between sessions to restore that dopamine balance. And they're in trouble. It's really not good. It's not good for them in more ways than we know and more ways than we can imagine. I was having a conversation with my son today because I just was—I threw my hands up in there and I said was one of those days where I just said, I'm done. I'm so sick of you watching a screen. You're not motivated. You're blah. You don't feel good. You've been overdoing it in the last couple of weeks and it's got to stop. And I said, you have no idea what it's doing to your brain. And he's like, yeah, I do. I said, you don't. I said, your brain right now is so ripe for being wired for new things, to make new pathways and to be creative and and curious, and experience things in the real world that you that you enjoy doing. So your brain will wire your brain to want those things. If all you're doing is staring at a screen, your brain's saying, mm, "He doesn't need that pathway pathway to go and build his model ski lifts in the garden. He doesn't need that pathway to go and play basketball. He's not doing it. So I'll prune those pathways." because he's not using them, and I'll make sure that the ones for helping him on his phone and Snapchat and Instagram and the TV and the laptop and whatever, I'll make sure that those pathways are really well wired. And he looked at me and he goes, but that's not happening. I said, it is happening. It is happening. And your dopamine balance now is all out of whack because during the holidays." I haven't practiced what I've preached quite so much, just like we all do. I'm just like you guys, but I'm on it, and it's going to stop. And his, he actually, he was in that mood where he was prepared to listen to me. He knew that he'd done too much. He, he felt, he feels horrible today. He's not done enough with the in the last few days. He's been sitting, staring at a screen. So we have to be the ones to help them. And in episode 551. I talked about this where I said, we can't let them stay at the party all night. We have to collect them and pick them back, pick them back up. And nor can we let them go to the party every night and every day. You know, parties are parties. We can let them have them. This 20 year old is now going to the online party twice a week for two hours. That's manageable. But when he was at the party for, you know, 14 hours a day, every day, it wasn't manageable. He was suicidal and he stopped all of it with no medication and he feels better. This is not rocket science, guys. You know how passionate I am about helping these kids restore life in the real world. Please join me. Please group together with your friends. Share this with people. Share this with your kids, friends, parents so they hear it. Because I don't know a parent who wouldn't read this and think, oh, it's okay. It's okay for him to sleep with his phone, have his Xbox in his room, play games for 10 hours a day. There's no parent out there that, that thinks that's right, quote unquote. We have to do more. So join me in doing more. If you need help, call me, Louise at com. If you've enjoyed this, Hop over to the Wall Street Journal and read it again and again and again. I've read it about three times. It now makes sense to me. And if you have not already rated and reviewed this show on iTunes, please do. It's the smallest thing you could do for me. And it will help thousands more parents get the advice they need and help millions of kids say no to too much technology and get back out into the real world, and live their lives, find their purpose, and get have more passion, more creativity, more curiosity, more expression, more motivated, more everything, inspiration. Let's help them. So thank you so much for listening. This episode has gone on a little bit longer than usual, not too bad. We're within 15 minutes, so I'm going to stop so I can say it was less than 15 minutes. So thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at parentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the parenting in the thick of it family organizer that i created it's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start it also includes beautifully illustrated informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year it's the perfect organizer for busy families to keep track of all their activities plus help parents be the best parent they can be it's more than just a calendar